Hello and welcome to another Innovation Forum podcast. I'm Toby Webb. I'm here in New York at the Sustainable Apparel and Textiles USA conference that we're holding. We're just about to finish. And before we go, Stephen Bethel has joined us from Bank and Vogue. So welcome to the podcast, Stephen. Why don't you just tell us a bit about Bank and Vogue for those who don't know about what you do? Hey, thanks, Toby. Yeah, so Bank and Vogue is a Canadian-based company. We are buyers and sellers of used clothes. And on the office door, it says innovative and relevant solutions to the crisis of stuff. So we find homes and reuse purchases for used clothing. But you do quite a lot of it, don't you? What sort of scale are you operating at? The fun thing about life is in our world is is it's a very scaled business. So we sell about 4 million garments a week of used clothes. Where do they go? Everywhere. (laughs) So, So we sell to 27 countries around the world. Um, but what's really fun is that we have a, a chain of stores in the UK, Sweden, and Finland, which trade under the name Beyond Retro. Some of the innovation work that we're really proud of, we've partnered with Converse, and we're making the upper for the Chuck Taylor shoe out of post-consumer or second-hand clothes. What's really great about that story is it demonstrates that used can be an input to new. And as we are all trying to figure out how do we actually make product that is a lower carbon in, uh, impact, or what does a, a low carbon production look like? Making things from things that already exist is the easiest and quickest path. It seems like a pretty obvious idea, but of course, the infrastructure and systems that you know traditionally haven't been built for it. So, just before we talk about the conference, just how has that changed in the last few years? It's funny. I actually want to go to the conference because what was really fun about this conference is there was a combination between. The fashion space, the you know that I love and play in, and the ag space. So there was the the concept of regenerative agriculture. The reason why I bring it up, I loved attending those sessions about regenerative agriculture. What does it mean? You know, is what's this new space? The irony is that this regenerative agriculture, and it, it came up at the conference, is actually just doing what we used to do a hundred years ago. And the irony is what we are doing as, as Bank and Vogue is where we're doing what people used to do 100 years ago. You know, they had old bits of clothes, they would cut them up and make them into quilts. And they would celebrate it, and they would be done in a community base. And this idea of repurposing and reusing, just like the the regenerative agriculture about going back to how we used to farm 100 years ago, it's amazing how the intersections of the ideas of let's go back and go back to maybe the practices we were doing before mass production. The two worlds actually, the same theme fits on it. Quite really quite exciting. Yes, the past is colliding with the future with much larger volumes in play, which means for you it's a great opportunity because there's so much stock around. If only you can get a hold of it. Yeah, absolutely. On one hand, one could lament about the amount of clothes that are being made and produced and sold. Americans buy 450 million pairs of jeans a year. The average life expectancy of a pair of jeans in an American closet is two and a half years. So the volume of denim, as an example, that's available that we can cut up and make into new things, the scale is in front of us. Hmm. And And it really does create incredible opportunities. Yeah, well, it's good to see you doing so well. What are your reflections on the conference? I mean, you've been involved in our European events. We held the European version of this a couple of months ago. And to me, it was quite a different dialogue. Yes, some of the same brands with some of the same challenges, some of the same suppliers with some of the same issues and opportunities. But culturally, and I guess from a regulatory point of view, quite a different 
approach. What are your reflections on this conference? What are you taking away from it? Well, first of all, I think it's really great that the Innovation Forum is one of my favorite things to attend. And even some of the people that were new that sat around me said, you know, it, it, this is actually a really engaging, we're actually having conversations about a subject. And there were some good shout outs by people who were calling out speakers to say, hey, wait a minute, you're, you know, your glossy brochure says X, but when we look at, you know, your report, it says Y. There were some good, honest conversations, which I think is the themes that I've seen in Amsterdam that you know, carried over to the US. It's certainly the tone is slightly different given the regulatory environment The you know, you have the big government over in Europe and you have sort of the laissez-faire here. And it was interesting how many times a lot of the brands said, look, we're gonna have to do it anyways because the Europeans are making us. And on the other hand, I think there were some, there were some also some opportunities the, the American brands, th their approach, because it's not only there's a lack of regulation, but then there's regional regulation. So the California conversation came up, the New York conversation came up. In one hand, there is uh, less government, but the government's also more fractured here hmm. in terms of its legislative approach, you know, sort of leading states that wove into the conversation through, through the day, which or through the last two days. We had one speaker here, because the conference was under the Chatham House rule, I won't say who it was, but a former very, very senior exec with decades of experience, and he sat on stage yesterday and said, we're just messing around the edges until we have a level playing field that needs to be driven by some basic regulation to encourage circularity, as is happening in Europe. And he said large companies should be coming here, not just the privately owned ones, and demanding to be regulated because that's to their advantage. It's the only way we're gonna do this. Do you agree with that? And do you think there's any chance of that happening in the US or North America in the next five years? As somebody who is sorting for and supplying recyclers at scale, I desperately want regulation to come because the only way that people are gonna pay that green tax, we've proven at a lab scale and at a moderate scale the, the, the circular fashion, the idea of taking a garment and then somehow either mechanically or chemically recycling it and turning it into a fiber is completely doable. But no brand will take the jump and pay the green tax at scale without regulation. So 100% agree with the speaker yesterday that we desperately need regulation. And it might be that that regulation comes that the global brands who operate in Europe will have to create a standard and that will get sucked in. But I would say that there are some bright lights up in Canada. The Canada being always halfway between Europe and the United States mm. is adopting some rules. So that might also kind of nudge things, you know, in a very Canadian way. Absolutely. I don't think circularity at scale will happen just based on goodwill. And I feel like that was a big common theme yeah. throughout the day, yesterday, and, and, and again today. It's been put to me that a state-based approach will just create too fractured a framework to work in the US. Do you agree with that? I mean, you mentioned New York, California. You know, there are parts of the US where the debate is very different from other bits. Yeah, which is the fabulous, you know, the sort of fabulous nature of the US. It will be interesting to see, for sure, California, and there were many speakers that spoke about the regulation and what is coming in California and how some speakers got up and spoke about how the 
brands are saying, we definitely want EPR, but we want it to be effective EPR. I thought there, there was one speaker today that articulated that very well. Yes, we want EPR, but we want it to be effective EPR. That actually gets to the goals, mm. as opposed to maybe, and there was a point that was made today that some of the way the legislation is written now, that the brands that are shipping in product from away could actually get around the California rules. Mm. So I thought, once again, at the Innovation Forum, there was good conversation about specifics and particularly when we come up with this California conversation, I think it it was it's some good thinking, you know, and some good shares. Where else in the world do you see real innovation happening here? Because it's easy for us to get very U.S., Canada, European centric. We've had some great remarks here at the conference from those working in Pakistan and in India and other places. Are there any other parts of the world where? you see real innovation happening to try and drive circularity. There was a really good conversation from one of your speakers who said, look, my family is now living in 46 degree weather. We, as supply chain members, are motivated to make change. And this is another theme that came up. Certainly the work that we are doing with brands, there's an admission that a lot of change doesn't necessarily come from the brands. It comes from the supply chain. The brands might claim that they did it, but really a lot of the the innovation comes from that supply chain, Mm. and of which that supply chain lives in the Pakistans and the India. And obviously our facility in India, I'm excited about what is actually happening in the circular space in India as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I mean, we met the founder of Usha Yarns, and they seem to be, in Chandigarh, they seem to be doing some amazing stuff at scale. Yeah, I think that there is times the conversation could be somewhat hubris in the north that, oh, great innovation happens in Europe and in the U.S., Mm. but really there's an enormous amount of amazing innovation that's happening, at least in my lived experience, both in India and and Pakistan. Final question. Do you see some of the industry organizations of which many have been represented here at the conference, needing to raise their game to get some of those bigger brands in line with the smaller privately owned ones all looking for the same approach around circularity, for example. It's funny that there was a question asked of one of the industry groups that was advocating for living wage, as an example. And of their members, how many were actually achieving the living wage goal? Or there was another conversation about one of the questions was, hey, if you're professing to be at a standard and you're clearly 60% behind on that standard, I think that the associations, they need to step up their game and be a little bit more aggressive in their relationship with their members. But it's a funny game, isn't it? Because they want them to pay to play to be part of their membership, but then they got to kind of herd them in a certain direction. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's a funny relationship. Yeah, how far can you push them? <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Or can you push them? <laughs> yeah, indeed. Well, Stephen, thanks so much for your time. No, no, no. And Toby, and I, one, one last thing sure. I have to say, for those who have seen Toby in action in Amsterdam, he definitely represented the good sort of British perspective and was an amazing moderator. And then a lot of people around me said, you know, this was just engaging because Toby was kind of shepherding the cats. So, you know, well done on your side. Well, thank you. I mean, great speakers like yourself make it easy for me. So (laughs) thanks a lot, Stephen. Okay.